What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back for another episode of Avery Sports Show. This time welcoming one of the OGs of Winnipeg Sports Talk Radio. He's the co-founder of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you know Winnipeg Sports Radio, you know his name very well. It is Andrew Hustler Patterson. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. How you doing, good sir? Avery, man, great to uh, great to be on with you. I've uh, been a fan of uh, the hustle you've got going with everything that uh, you've been doing in this new medium, and uh, it's nice to do it on video. I mean, I uh, I didn't even try to dress up because you're always <laughs> the best dressed guy in the room. So uh, we'll just come in with some takes and have a little bit of, a bit of fun. But yeah, man, thanks for having me. No, of course not. Of course, yeah, I, I appreciate what you guys have done with Winnipeg. Of course, as many of us know, sports radio in this country in Canada has gone the way of the Dodo Bird. We saw Edmonton shut down, TSN twelve sixty. You know, Winnipeg twelve ninety shut down. But you guys have rebounded very nicely, building a platform, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Sports Talk, that still is finding a way to cover the Blue Bombers, the Gold Eyes, the Jets, the Sea Bears, and do them with uh, throwing more and more. Yeah, you know what I mean? Obviously, like has happened in some other markets uh, recently, like uh, yours of Edmonton, um, you know, I mean, the, the the big companies are getting out of the game. And, uh, you know, I mean, while it was uh, it was sort of a, it was shocking to us. I mean, I think we all would have been naive if we didn't think that there was a possibility at some point it was happening. But I mean, our station was very well rated in the key demographics, was successful, did not have the Jets rights any longer. Mm-hmm. And we were sort of sold that as the the reason why we were going to stick around. And then it just turned off like that. But looking back now, it's actually been a blessing to us. It ended up presenting us with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sort of pick up what we had built up for a big company and take it and do it ourselves. And uh, myself and my partner, right, Michael Rivas, have worked a lot. And, you know, geez, we're, we're approaching 600 episodes I think we're getting close to 5 million uh, YouTube views and downloads of the of the shows. So it's ended up being, I mean, the best thing that ever happened to us, even though it was a little bit rough kind of trying to navigate the waters post uh, post it. But we've been supported incredibly well by people that normally listen that used to listen to our show. Got a lot of new people on that really enjoy where it's uh, on every day. You can get it on audio podcast if you're just a listener. But being able to do it on YouTube, I mean, with a chat, I mean, we have hundreds of people that come in every day that talk to each other on all the big sports topics of the day. And it's kind of created a new community that, frankly, wasn't realistic to put together during the AM radio days. So no complaints, man. Just uh, keeping on working hard and uh, trying to, you know, uh, build it as we get into uh, a new year and obviously a new um, NHL season here in Winnipeg with the Jets, which... uh, is always sort of the the real driver of things in addition to the other great teams that we've got here in Winnipeg. No, of course. I see you're wearing a Winnipeg Sea Bears hoodie right now on camera. And of course, what has it been like to see the, the Winnipeg embrace the sea? Because of course, you know, any sport, expansion team expectations are always, you know, to be near the bottom. But Winnipeg has come out year one to CBL and been among one of the better teams in the CBL, where you're getting great play from guys like Teddy Allen, Chad Possum, Simon Hildebrand. It was like seeing not only this team playing really well, but seeing Winnipeg fully embrace his team as their own. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know what? I mean, listen, as someone that covers sports here in the market, the success of the Sea Bears off the court 
is to me the number one story. You know, if they had been an average team or a brutal team, to be honest with you, I think it would have been, hey, whatever, they've got some time to work for it. It was more about how will this work in the market? And, you know, David Asper, the owner, did one thing that I think they waited a little bit. Obviously, the pandemic, I think, threw everything up in um, into a, a large question mark. Um, but they spent the time and being able to work with True North mm-hmm. and being able to play the games downtown at Canada Life Centre made this um, way more big league than anything we'd had in Winnipeg basketball-wise since the Winnipeg Thunder started in the 90s. And for people that remember, I mean, the Thunder, the the first game they drew over 11,000 people at the arena. I mean, people were into it. Now, unfortunately, the league was a joke. And by the second half of the first season, half the teams had folded or whatever. This was like the WBL at the time. I just remember it finished up with the Dayton Wings coming to Winnipeg for a best of five championship series, all games in Winnipeg, <laughs> and all guys were paid by the game. I mean, it was um, it was unfortunate. And then the minute they moved to the convention center into another league, mm-hmm. it just sort of – the bar was raised high, and, and then it just sort of went uh, away. But this year, you know, Avery, we um, had the home opener. And it was sold out in the lower bowl of the arena, I think to the tune of about 7,500. And up until that point, the CEBL record attendance for one game was 4,400. And I said on the show the next day, I don't know what's going to happen with the team on the court, but because of how short this season is, and we're only talking about 10 games, I'm pretty confident that the Seabears not only can beat that number, uh, beat that 4,400 again. But I think they'll average over that for the rest of the season. And I'm very happy that that prediction has come to fruition because uh, they just played last week two games, two more sellouts. The Sunday game, which was an afternoon game, they actually had to open up about another 1,000 seats of what they normally do. So it's been incredible to see the way this city, which let's face it, demographically, like most of Canada, has changed significantly in the 2025 years since, you know, we had the thunder playing at the old Winnipeg arena and there was a real demand for it. It has been embraced. It's well run. The product is awesome. And um, the team's been kicking ass too. So, I mean, just all across the board, an amazing first year for the Winnipeg sea bears. And um, I think at least attendance wise, they will continue to set the bar going forward in the CEBL as this league, which has so much potential, I think, in Canada, continues to grow. No, of course. And you mentioned demographic changing. Because I remember when Edmonton had the Edmonton Energy in the IBL, we maybe had a thousand people at most coming to games. The basketball culture wasn't what it was. I mean, you're a fan, of course, but that wasn't what it was outside the NBA 10 years ago. Now, fans are going to go and watch. You're going to go to Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, and they're going to flock in Pack Stadium to watch leagues outside the NBA, like the CEBL, which to me is refreshing. It's amazing. It it is. There are some sports where people are, I don't know, they kind of become snobs for lack of a better term. Well, (laughs) if it's not the, even even there's some people that give them, listen, I love the CFL. I mean, it's a great product. Anyone that watched the games last week knows how good it is and how entertaining it is. But there's always been some people like, well, you know, it's not, it's Tom Brady coming here, so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm out. Um, 
this is so different. I mean, like the, the what the Raptors and basketball in Canada has done in the last 20, 25 years, creating a whole new generation of people that are now adults that have grown up being big basketball fans and tons of people moving to our communities that have always loved basketball. Um, it, it is it has been it has been a perfect storm, I think, of a of a number of influences coming together. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if I was buying stock in something, the CEBL would be something that I would be into because I really do think that we're just scratching the surface of what this league can be. And I realize it's a little different in other markets that have had those teams for a little while. But when you Mm -hmm. see what's been possible here in Winnipeg, which I don't think anyone would have thought of as a basketball hotbed, it shows that with the proper venues and management and product, what is capable outside of the NBA market in Toronto. And uh, we've been having a lot of fun talking about the games on the show and heading out to the games and just being a part of it. And um, as I say, uh, I mean, only one way to go from here, and that is continued up for the entire league right now. And uh, I think that's great for, you know, pioneering teams like Edmonton to see what's happening elsewhere in the league and uh, what's good for one team, and especially new teams, I think is good for the CEBL overall. No, of course, and watching Winnipeg, I mentioned on the top there, one of the better teams in the CEBL. And watching guys on the floor, they've had Chad Posmus be that big, big center. He's been a big piece for them. They have Teddy Allen. Probably going to be the MVP, a guy out here averaging close to 30 points a game. What does it mean for this team to have guys like who are great in the community, but also have delivered in many ways on the floor this year? Well, Teddy Buckets has been, (laughs) he's sort of a phenom here. I mean, uh, like still not a household name on the streets, but Mm -hmm. for anybody that goes to these games, um, you figure out who number eight is real fast. um, And he just continues to get better. It was funny. He had a really rough opening game and uh, our old pal, Gregory Liverpool, one of the most legendary callers in Winnipeg sports talk history was all over me about Teddy and, said he could be Teddy Bricks, not Teddy Buckets. I'm like, let's just give him a little bit. And now, of course, he's, uh, you know, it was one bad game and an incredible rest of the season. I give my pal Gregory a bit of a hard time on that and some of his takes sometimes. But he's been great. Um, But I'll tell you what, it's those local players that you mentioned. And Chad was the first Mm -hmm. C-Bear period. He's, um, you know, certainly a very known commodity in the basketball community here and has played all over the world. So to have him come back and sort of be the face of the franchise right off the bat, it's been great. But honestly, maybe the best story of a player with this team this year is Simon Hildebrand, who was the U Sports Rookie of the Year for all of Canada, playing for the Bisons last year in his rookie season for Kirby Shep over at the U of M. And like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have a lot of experience with the league, but when we saw him on the roster as the first ever draft pick, We thought, oh, that's cool to have a local kid that's involved in the team. But I don't think anyone could have imagined how much Mike Taylor would be playing him and how big of an impact that he would have in his rookie season as a pro. And listen, he hit the game winner on uh, on Friday night, um, has been impactful, has played a ton. And like not only is it great for him and I think connects more people and got more people out to check it out and have loved it also phenomenal for you know the local programs here in winnipeg like i mean i know you you know are very well versed in youth sports basketball mm-hmm. in canada west 
We had a game uh, in the spring between U of M and U of W. University of Westman, uh, University of Winnipeg Westman versus the Manitoba Bisons, which is that crosstown rivalry. Yes. And the winning, and it was the first time ever that the winner of this, the game would actually go to um, the Nationals. And the Westman hadn't been in almost 30 years. The Bisons hadn't been in a while. And the Bisons had this 18 and two season. It was a crazy game. And speaking of bricks, I mean, the Bisons, I think they shot like 3% from three or something like that. Like it was incredible that they lost the game, but they did. And credit to U of W. And there was a young Filipino dude, Sean Moranin, that's been on our show that is on sort of the practice squad of the Westman that he, or the, of the sea bears that's been involved. We got to see what a star he was and the atmosphere in that building at investors group center was unlike anything that I'd seen before basketball wise, you know, at a university level and the sea bears were there and they were making a big, you know, they were letting people know that they were coming and, it just seems like it's all coming together with local talent on the team, the team doing really well. And I really think that's going to trickle down to more support for both the Westman and the Bisons this season. And certainly we'll have some more veteran local players playing with this club next year. So can't say enough about the way it's all gone this year. And uh, it's great for the city and it's huge for basketball here in Manitoba. No, of course. You see it here at Edmonton as well, too. The trickle down effect you're seeing the singers working with the Alberta Golden Bears and the Pandas and high school teams, you've seen that effect, like much like in Manitoba, CBL franchises saying, you know, we have to find a ways to connect with not just our fans, but the local youth sports teams, the high school team, you kids, because they know that these are going to be potentially future Stinger players, fans, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, getting in new teams and it doesn't matter what sport you're in. If you're trying to establish yourself for the long haul, you need to connect with the grassroots and, you know, mm. uh, and, and, and I don't know. I mean, you know, Edmonton having worked for the Oilers at one point and being in that market and knowing, I mean, hit historic historically was maybe Canada's best soccer market. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the C uh, the, the Canadian CPL has had a tougher time um, or maybe I just don't see it as much, but I mean, they've really tried to connect with the grassroots and I guess it's a little different playing a soccer game in a massive stadium like we have here. Right. Some of the other spots, depending on where you are in the league. But the bottom line is, I mean, if you want to be around, um, you need to connect and create fans at that grassroots level. And the Seabears have been doing it here in Winnipeg. Obviously, Edmonton's doing it there. And I think the successful teams in this league will be the ones that do the best job of that in addition to putting on a good product on the court and, um, you know, getting out in the community and letting people know that they're there. No, of course, I could not agree more than Andrew. And going from the Sea Bears to the Blue Bombers, who currently sit at 4-2 and two in the CFL's Western Division, just what have been your thoughts, Andrew, on the year so far after six weeks of action for this club, who sit behind a BC Lions team at 4-1 and one, that have impressed a lot of people so far this year? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, dude, they certainly surprised everyone in Winnipeg when they came in and kicked the Bombers' ass for 60 minutes about a month. They did! <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That game, I mean, I was going home afterwards, and I mean, let's face it, we went through a 29-year Grey Cup drought, won the Grey mm. Cup in 2019, and since then, I mean, I don't think anyone would dispute the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the standard right now, on the field, off the field, um, and you can't say enough about the job that right from Wade Miller to Kyle Walters to Mike O'Shea has been done, 
creating championship expectations and a championship caliber football team. The Bombers, think about this, Avery. The Bombers, when they lost that game to BC, had not lost a home game to a Western Division opponent since 2018. Like, we left the game, and, uh, you know, because of where the stadium is, a ton of people take public transit into downtown and then go their own way. And, I mean, it was sort of a stunned group. I mean, no one could believe it. I mean, Zach Caleros hadn't been on his keisters as much as he was that night, and the offense had nothing going on. It was like, wait a second. That was that was a real wake-up call, I think, for the club. And, you know, we had Brady Oliveira on the show last week, and he he spoke to it as you know, it was exactly that. I mean, you, that, you know, and sometimes even really good teams get punched in the mouth and then how do you respond from that? And to their credit, the next couple of day, games, they responded very well. They gave up only three points against Montreal. Um, they gave up 11 in the first quarter to Calgary and then shut them out the rest of the way. Uh, and it looked like that game on Saturday was all but over. Uh, and then the crumbback began. And uh, I'll be honest, people still uh, are sort of shaking their heads trying to figure out what the hell happened in Ottawa on Saturday night. I mean, truly one of the most incredible, bizarre, unlikely comebacks I can remember in CFL history. And there's been a lot of them. Um, so now they're four and two. They've got the Elks who, I mean, of course, are just a, a mess. I mean, in so many ways. And they'll be massive favorites tomorrow and expected to win. Uh, but then they got a bye week. And then they got a long week of practice. And then the BC Lions are coming back to town. If you are a CFL fan, circle August 3rd on your calendar because that is going to be the game that I think will really find out about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of 2023. Some people think that they're old. They're, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit past their prime. And, and Father Time is undefeated. I think we'll find out whether we're at that point yet with the Bombers and whether there's more to be concerned about. But to me so far, Avery, um, you know, BC deserves a ton of credit. They're a hell of a football team. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Argonauts, I mean, listen, they came up big. They beat the Bombers by a point in the Grey Cup and prevented the three-peat and I think legitimately being called a dynasty. And despite MBT going south of the border, Swag Kelly's looked awesome early on this season. And, uh, you know, I think they legitimately are, you know, the team at the top right now. But to me, you've got BC, Toronto, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and then you've got everybody else. And uh, it's going to be a real interesting rest of the season to see what happens in the West, kind of that battle between Calgary and Saskatchewan, who had two thrillers in their games head-to-head this year and a one-and-one against each other, who's going to be third. And then what happens in the, in the East? I mean, Toronto's clearly number one right now. Ottawa, our old pal Bobby Dice, I mean, listen, as much as it was a devastating loss for the Bombers, a lot of people here, myself included, they just couldn't help but feel great for Bobby. He is such an incredible leader of men. I think he's going to turn out to be a great CFL head coach. And he had been hit with just the worst luck possible with losing all his quarterbacks. And, you know, that was a pretty magical afternoon. We'll see what that can do to Ottawa. And obviously there's question marks about health and quarterback in Hamilton um, and Montreal as well. So, um, I'll say this week six in the CFL was as exciting a week of play in almost any league I can remember. And if the first third of the season tells us what we're going to see the rest of the way, uh, we're in for uh, some, uh, some awesome football games 
uh, up on TSN and if you can get to a game in your local market. So you mentioned that game against Ottawa. It was a game in which even if you were a Blue Bombers fan, you had to appreciate the tenacity, the resiliency of Ottawa to come back and find a way to win that game and see what Dustin Crum did. Like that was a game. You mentioned right there, Andrew. Ottawa has lost so many quarterbacks. I mean, I'm shocked we haven't seen a call yet to bring Terry Joseph back to play again in Ottawa Colors. The team now is trailing by that much. 25 It was over. It was over. Like, I mean, mean, it was was 25 to 6 going into the fourth quarter. And I mean, 19 points, 15 minutes, it's the CFL, sure. Mm -hmm. Dude, it was a 16-point game at the three-minute warning. And the Bombers had the ball. Like the things that needed to conspire together for that to go that way, um, it feels like it's one in a million. I mean, the sports books, any places that had live betting had that it was taken off the board. I mean, they wouldn't they didn't even feel right taking money from someone that wanted to throw a Hail Mary on Ottawa. But oh. then you know what? One uncharacteristic uh poor pass by Zach Claris that got tipped for a pick six, a two point convert, a fumble. 30-second drive of 75 yards for a last-second TD and another two-pointer. I mean, it was magic. It was just for Bomber fans, they were on the wrong side of it. But cannot give enough credit to Ottawa for the 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 never-quit mentality, and I think a lot of that comes from their head coach. And I'll tell you what, I mean, sometimes games like that, stars are born. And I know Dustin Crum had a nice run at Kent State. He's... um. He's the talk of the town right now in our nation, and we'll see if they can continue to go from there because they've got a massive hole. I mean, their top two guys are out. Masoli was the franchise. He's not coming back this season. So uh, it's crumb time in the nation's capital. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, it's great for the league and it's great for that market that I think really deserves uh, deserves something good to happen. I can't believe I'm going to say this about your market considering the greatness of the Elks in the past and the winning that they have, but... I mean, what's happened to the Elks is truly, I mean, not anything we could have imagined happening in our lifetimes. And uh, for all the times for them to come into Winnipeg playing a pissed off bomber team that's getting kind of Kenny Lawler back, um, not a great time to do it. But uh, we got to figure something out because it's not good for the Canadian Football League to have Edmonton bleeding fans the way they are and losing night after night. And with a guy that's had so much success as Chris Jones has, now in a second year, I mean, it doesn't even seem possible, and yet here we are. I agree in all fronts of it, Andrew, but you know what? I think for the on-field aspect, if you're a Chris Jones, if you're that staff, you got to basically tell your team, you know what, listen, Ottawa beat Winnipeg. If I'm Chris Jones, like, I tell this team, listen, there is a way to beat Winnipeg. They, there is a way to get past this team. But being 0-6, losing fans, struggling, and again, isn't just losing at home. They haven't won on the road. Again, they're the one team right now in a very competitive CFL. They're the one team right now that's completely out of it, be it for the West or for a crossover, which does suck. And there's got to be a way to figure this out and quickly because we know Edmonton football fans are not going to tolerate this much losing for much longer, Andrew. No, I mean, listen, I think, I mean, I just had Dusty on the show today. Um, you know, we did the lock shop, then he jumped on before jumping on a plane here to Winnipeg to talk about this game. And I mean, they're already in next year territory. And and that's and that is sad. And I got a lot of respect for Victor Kui. I mean, I really think that he's come into a tough situation. I think he's done everything he can to engage the crowd and get into the grassroots like we talked about the CEBL. But this is pro sports. And you cannot 
keep sending your home fan. I mean, dude, it's since 2019 they haven't won a home game. I mean, just just saying that out loud sounds inconceivable. And yet here we are right now. So you're right. I mean, I think there's still going to be some real tough times going forward before things get turned around. And as I said, in Edmonton of all places where they had those incredible dynasty of the eighties and they've Mm -hmm. been as competitive as almost any people aren't used to this. And uh, as great of sports fans period as they have in Edmonton, it gets a lot to, you know, shell out cash to go out and see your team get their butts whipped over and over and over again. And it's got to be really frustrating, but to me, it's just incredible. I mean, that a Chris Jones team would be where they are right now, a year plus into him coming back. And um, I mean, it's going to turn around at some point. I mean, I've been guilty on betting on them a couple times this year thinking, okay, this is the week they get it done. Well, that hasn't been the case. And uh, I dare say, I doubt it's the case tomorrow. And I know, I guess they've got their next two uh, home. They got go Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg mm-hmm. again. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, you could be looking at over for the first half of the season and then working on, but I mean, you got to get a quarterback. I mean, I know they like some things in Taylor Cornelius mm-hmm. accuracy, not good enough decision-making very questionable, kind of like throwing a left-handed pass uh, the way it happened last week. Um, but again, there's only so much time for excuses. And I think that time is long since gone in Edmonton. And uh, I'm sure they'll come in and they'll play hard tomorrow night. Um, but as I say, the, the, the timing of their visit to Winnipeg is not good for the Elks, considering what happened last Saturday in Ottawa. No, you're not wrong, Andrew. Before wrapping things up, you do ask your, your thoughts on Winnipeg Jets and going forward. I know last year, you ended the first round loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Rick Bonus carving up a team. I've never seen Andrew, head coach, in a three-ending game, carve his team up like that, as much Rick Bonus did after game five against <laughs> Vegas. Veteran names won't be back here next year. The time for Connor Hellebuck is probably coming up very shortly. Where do the Winnipeg Jets go? I really am. I'm not sure what they're planning. I'm not sure if this team is going to go full rebuild. Are they going to try and contend again? Like, I'm not sure what the Winnipeg Jets' plan is for next year. Like, what are your predictions as to where the Jets could go? Yeah. Well, I mean, as they say, this next season's fascinating because, I mean, PLD's gone and credit to Kevin Chevaldeoff, you know, considering the market and the situation he was in, I thought got excellent return from the Los Angeles Kings for Dubois. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people expected that Hellebuck would be somewhere else right now, bringing back a big return and Mark Shifley as well. You know, people, if they want, can blame everything that's happened behind the scenes with the culture, whatever, on Blake Wheeler, but that's not right. Shifley's been there with him every step of the way. He had 42 goals last year, and there still doesn't seem to be much of a market for him. So I think that tells you, I mean, his reputation has taken a bit of a hit um, as maybe a bit of a selfish player. He's going into a contract year. Like, I still do think that the preference of the organization would be to trade Shifley. Um, but it's quite clear that they haven't had any offers that have even moved the needle. So maybe that means he's back at a potential trade deadline deal with someone. I will say this about Heli, uh, Hellebuck. Um, you know, the fact that there hasn't been a bunch of teams banging down their doors to sign him to an eight year extension at big money might change things here. I mean, I know Winnipeg would love nothing more than to get his name on another contract and keep him here. He's their best player. The minute he's gone, it 
fundamentally changes what the ceiling realistically is for the Winnipeg Jets. And we've already seen a really exciting young prospect group that's a year or so away pop in this summer. So I think this year is going to be more of a transition year. I mean, they certainly have enough talent to compete and to make the playoffs. Can they compete for the cup? I guess if you've got Connor Hellebuck and some guys that are going, I mean, anything can happen. Florida, hell, they were, well, we know what happened with Florida going all the way to the cup final last Mm -hmm. year. But I'll say this, I would expect that Shifley at the latest is probably somewhere else by the trade deadline, unless he's having a career year and the Jets are legitimately a cup contender. Hellebuck may be a little less certain on that, but it is likely that that'll be the case. And then if we're having this conversation 12 months from right now, I think we're talking about a Winnipeg Jet team that could look 70, 80% different than the team that finished up last year. And to be honest, for a team that kind of ran it back a number of years after kind of hitting the heights in 2018 and 19, probably makes sense to go about that and uh, bring some of the young talent that they've drafted really well in and kind of start that that Jets 3.0, if you will. We always talk about Jets 2.0, the, come, the return. We weren't really moving on from that core until Palmeris, Blake Wheeler, and Mark Shifley, who have been the three key guys, were moved on. Two of them are gone. Shifley's still here right now. We'll see what happens on that. But uh, it's certainly given us lots to talk about on Winnipeg Sports Talk every day, even throughout this summer when there's not a lot going on, Avery. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Andrew's been a blast having you on Avery's Sports Show. Got you again. Hopefully next time I can come to Winnipeg for it because believe it or not, Andrew, I've never been in Winnipeg. I have yet to be in Manitoba at all. What? So, yeah, never been. I've never been Dude. to Manitoba. So Dude, we got to get you out. You got a plan. You got a plan for a weekend <laughs> where the Bombers are playing and we've got a Jets game. You can come in, hang out for three days. We'll show you what I do believe has turned into the best place to watch a football game in the Canadian Football League, and that's IG Field, and uh, take in some hockey as well. I know the Elks are here tomorrow, so that's a little short notice, but Mm -hmm. uh, hey, uh, anytime you're here, you let us know. We'll have a couple and uh, show you what the peg has to offer. Of course. That'd be a blast, Andrew. (laughs) I appreciate you, buddy. Right on, man. Thanks for having me.